If you have your Bibles tonight, you need to find your way to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to pick up sort of where we left off this morning as we looked at a message entitled, Are You Ready? I don't know about you, but I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to leave this old place and I'm ready to uh, be able to get my rewards, how very small they may be, but just being able to see Jesus is going to be worth it all, is it not? And so uh, we uh, find ourselves in uh, 1 Thessalonians, and uh, we're going to look at verse number 15 and 16 in particular. Uh, I made mention this morning that uh, we are... Uh, there's four bedrocks, if you will, pertaining to this teaching of being there will be a rapture. And we alluded to it this morning that we believe in a uh, pre-trib rapture. We believe that the church will not go through that horrible, horrible time called the Great Tribulation. Because the Great Tribulation is not for the church. That was taken care of when we got saved. That uh, death sentence that was over us has now been removed. That judgment that was reserved for us has now been wiped away because of what Jesus Christ did on Calvary's tree. Because of His death, because of His uh, pure blood, uh, the blood of the Lamb, that uh, we have remission of our sin. And not only that, but we looked at the resurrection. We understand that if those who have died in Christ, when the Lord comes, they're going to be resurrected. Uh, because Jesus was resurrected, we also have that blessed promise that if we were to die, we would also be resurrected as well. But then it doesn't stop there. Uh, we see that he was placed in that tomb, but on the third day rose in victory. That's the reason why the Apostle Paul says, O death, where is thy sting? See, death no longer can hurt us. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, death, and we saw it this morning, uh, is just a temporary thing, if you will. It's like we're just going to go to sleep. We saw that the psalmist in Psalms 23 tells us it's nothing but a shadow to those who have trusted Jesus Christ. But the story doesn't stop there. We see that not only was there the resurrection, but we believe that he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us even as we speak. But here's where it gets really, really good. We see that the Bible says there will be coming a day when he will uh, get up and he will come and when he comes, he will call his church to him. But does it stop there? We see uh, that uh, there will be a time when he will come back, and this time he's going to be setting his feet down there at the Mount of Olives. But he's not coming by himself. We saw this morning that uh, at the rapture, he's coming by himself. But the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, He's coming with us. And then He's going to just speak a word and He's going to take care of business. 
And then we will be reigning there what we call the millennial reign for a thousand years. Do you believe it's an actual thousand years? That's what the Bible says. The Bible says a thousand years. And so we're picking up where we left off. We're seeing in verse number 15 that Paul says that he has had this revealed to him. Look at verse number 15. You're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is what the Bible says. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. Now notice, I alluded to it this morning. Paul is telling them that he has had a revelation. He didn't get it from any man, but he got it straight from God. Do you understand tonight when you uh, hold that Bible and you, when you read that Bible that you have in your hand, you're hearing straight from God. Isn't it wonderful to know that we have a loving Father who wants to speak to us personally, intimately, and even though He created this world and this universe as we know it, He is not an abstract figure tonight, but He is a God who wants to have a personal relationship with you, and He wants to have conversation with you, and He wants to speak to you. Paul says, I got this revelation from God. And then he goes on and says, And that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord Himself, and no one else is coming with Him, for the Lord Himself. Now, I've already alluded to it, that's far different than when you go to Revelation. He's coming with the saints. He's coming with us. And he says, well, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Now, we're going to look at that uh, in just a few moments. Just go ahead and underline that. He's, he's coming uh, from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. So, we see in verse number 15 that Paul says, I've had this revealed to me. We've already looked at it this morning, that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he talks about a mystery. And now he's alluding to the church here. He's telling it was a mystery, but God has revealed to me. Something that has been hid has now been revealed to me. We see it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Why do we believe that the rapture is going to take place before the tribulation period? In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 2, uh, starting actually in verse number, uh, uh, verse number 2 where he says, And the coming of the Lord is at hand. Uh, the word usage here is it, it could happen at any time. We've already talked about it this morning. Nothing else has to be done for the Lord to come back tonight. He says, it's at hand. But he says, the coming of the Lord is at hand. But then he goes into verse number 3 
And he says, now he's talking about the, uh, when he, the second coming here. He says, and the only reason why he has not, uh, has not come is because the man of sin, the man of sin is also a man of lawlessness, it's the Antichrist, has not been revealed. Now, why has he not been revealed? Well, he goes on and explains himself even more. He says in verse number 7, Because he has not been removed. Uh, the word um, is referred to as re- the restrainer. Who is the he that he's talking about in verse number 7? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, now watch. So, so the Holy Spirit has to be removed in order for the Antichrist to be revealed. Okay, y'all catching this? Now, how do we know that the he that he's talking about in verse number 7 is the Holy Spirit? Well, in John chapter 16, verse number 8, Jesus clears that up for us. Remember, Scripture always interprets Scripture. So in John 16, 8, it says... Jesus speaking, when He is come, uh, He will reprove sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so we have to understand that the Holy Spirit is talking about the church. Because if you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, the Bible tells us that if you abide in Him, He will abide in you. The Holy Spirit, when you got saved, set up residence in you. So the church is the body of believers. And here, Second Thessalonians is very clear that this uh, the rapture has to take place before the tribulation uh, because the Holy Spirit is the restrainer. Now, you think things are bad now. You just wait till the church gets taken out. The Bible says the restraining aspect of the Holy Spirit will no longer be in action. So now the Antichrist can rise up and Satan, his demonic forces, can go ahead and pardon the language here, but that's when all hell is going to break loose. And the only reason why he hasn't broke loose now is because we're still here. That's the reason why we believe that the rapture it's got to happen before tribulation. We have talked about this, and I know I've alluded to it a number of times. There are those who want the church out of here. There are those that find us as a hindrance. There are those uh, who uh, uh, say that, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we just can't, well, I don't know why we can't do what we need to do. And those bunch of Bible-thumping, radical Jesus freaks... It's keeping me from going ahead, and, uh, and they've already passed it, uh, but uh, you didn't hear a whole lot said about it, and I don't know if the church really uh, made much of voice about it, about they wanting to sell uh, wine and liquor on Sunday. 
And they can't understand. We buy it six days a week. What's one more day? Well, the one day that they're talking about is a day that we feel should be a sacred day because it's a day that we honor and worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because it's the day that He rose in victory. And because of His resurrection, we have victory and we have eternal life. That's the reason why it's a big deal. But they want to get us out of the way. They don't want those who believe it's okay to kill babies. And they'll go ahead and say, you know, we need to get with the times. We have women who say, I don't know why you have to tell me what I need to do with my body. Well, dear sister, what you need to understand, and this is not in my notes, but I'm a little stirred up right now. He says, that, you know, hey, it's my body. No, it's not. God created you. And you should belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not just talking about those who think it's okay to kill babies. I'm not talking about those who think it's okay to buy liquor and drink liquor all the time. What I'm saying is there are some in the church that we have that same mentality. Now we might not go oh, and do those things that we've just talked about. But you need to understand and I need to understand when you got saved, you became the property of the Lord Jesus Christ. And He has every right to tell you how to live. He has every right to tell you how you ought to act. He has every right to tell you that you are a temple and you should honor your body and you should take care of your body. And so, I don't know why we got off on that one, but it just felt pretty good right there. And so here he goes on and he says that the restrainer has to be removed. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 16 I've already alluded to this, but it says that we are the temple. We are the temple. We're, the, we're carrying around the holy of holies in us. And so when we get removed, then the restraining aspect will be removed. And that's when the Antichrist and Satan and all that gang will have free reign. I'm telling you, the tribulation period is going to be unmanageable. It is going to be something you can't even think of. Hollywood couldn't come up with what it's really going to be like. Do you understand? No restraining aspect. Satan has free reign. And all the wickedness and, and all the, 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 the vow, all the, thing, the wicked things are going to have their heyday during this period. But the church will not have a part in it. Now we also, and I've alluded to it this morning, that a wonderful picture of the rapture is the flood. Judgment fell because of their wickedness, but the ones who were believers were shut up in the ark. They were protected from judgment. But we also see another picture is found uh, in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. You all know the story. Lot, who has now back, been backslid, he goes into Sodom. Second Peter chapter number 2 verses 7 and 8 tells us, that Lot was a just man. Now, he was not living right and uh, he had backslid, but he was still a righteous man. And the Bible tells us, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, but God was going to bring judgment upon Sodom, but he waited until Lot and his family got out. 
Do you see the picture here? If he does it in the flood where he, where he, he removes them from judgment in the flood and he removes Lot and his family uh, from uh, fire and brimstone uh, that goes and destroys Sodom and Gomorrah, why would he allow the church to go through tribulation? We've already alluded to it this morning that we have been saved from the wrath of God. See, at one time you were an enemy of God. Uh, There was a time that you deserved the wrath of God to fall upon you. And this is where somebody ought to get a little happy here. You deserved, you deserved judgment. You deserve death and hell. But because of the wonderful, marvelous grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, He snatched you up just in time. And we need to understand that we're going to be raptured out of here before tribulation is because we have been bought and we our judgment has been sufficed because of what happened there on Calvary's tree. And so He takes us out because the, uh, the tribulation is not for the church, it's for the ungodly. So then we go on and we see uh, in the plan, look at verses 16, for 17, 16 through 17. Notice he says, with a shout. Very interesting word there. Luther uh, translated this. That word shout is a command, if you will. It could be used as a military term. Luther uh, interpreted it this way. He says, it's a call to stand up and to get in line and get ready to go. With a shout. When we hear the shout, it's a time for us to get in line because we're fixing to go. We're fixing to go up. (laughs) And so he says there's going to be a shout. In Psalms 47, we see, and the psalmist talks about, that he will go up, talking about the Lord here, he will go up with a shout and at the sound of a trumpet. But we see here at the rapture that he comes down with a shout and with a trumpet sounding. The archangel, notice it says, the shout of an archangel. The only time, other other time that you see in Scripture, the archangel is in Jude chapter 9. And in Jude chapter 9, it names that archangel Michael. Now, significance about Michael I'm not saying that Michael is the archangel that's referred to here. Don't know for for sure. But in Jude chapter 9, Michael is identified with the resurrection of Israel that's talked about in Daniel chapter 12. And in Daniel chapter 12, it's in reference to the day of the Lord, which is after the tribulation period. Now, am I saying that it's Michael? I don't know. But just throwing it out there, the only other time that you see Michael mentioned as the archangel is dealing with a resurrection. There's going to be a resurrection at the time of rapture. 
So the Bible says that we're going to shout in, with the voice of an archangel. But then he goes on and he talks about a trumpet. I've already alluded to it this morning that the trumpet is used many times uh, there in the Old Testament as well. In Exodus chapter 19, the trumpet uh, that was sound there was a call for the people of God to meet. Isn't that what's going to happen at the rapture? The people of God are going to meet. Not only meet one another, but we're going to meet Him in the air. But we also see the use of the trumpet is in Zechariah. In Zechariah, we see that when the trumpet is sound there, it is, a, uh, it is a call, if you will, that the Lord is coming to rescue. Find it interesting. Isn't that what's going to happen at the rapture? He's going to rescue us. I don't know about you, but aren't you glad that we have a good God that wants best for His children? And even though we've gone through trials and tribulations down here, even though we've gone through hard times down here, God is going to rescue us. I don't know about you, but aren't you glad that God rescued you? You were living in sin. You were bound for hell. But because of the grace and the mercy and the love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, He rescued you. You were doomed, may I remind you. You were doomed, but God rescued you. But then we also see that this trump that sounded here is the trump that is calling the end of the church age. Now go to Revelation, and we see that the beginning of Revelation, as he starts the letter, John is describing that time in which we're talking about, that when the judgment of God is going to come and fall. He writes seven letters to seven churches. There are some who say that that's different age of the church. But then the last church that's mentioned there in the seven churches is the church at Laodicea. Now the church at Laodicea, if you remember, was a church that the Lord reprimanded because they were lukewarm. Does that not describe the church today? He says that we're neither hot nor we're cold, we're lukewarm. But having said all of that, would it not say that we are ripe for the rapture to take place today? We're living in the age of Laodicean. We're lukewarm. We don't get too worked up anymore in the church. We don't get broken anymore about the lostness of mankind around us. We become lukewarm. Warm, But notice here, after chapter 3, you do not hear the church made mention until you get to chapter number 19. Why is that? Because the church has been removed. Now, I've alluded to this as well, and I'll say it again. Take the theological aspects and, and, and all of that. Doesn't that just make sense? I mean, it just, it's logic. It just makes sense. 
There's significance about why the church is not mentioned uh, after chapter 3. And if we are, if we say that we're living in that age of the Laodiceans where we become lukewarm, it makes even more sense to us to know that he's getting closer and closer to calling us out of here. But then we see in Revelation chapter 8 through chapter 11, it talks about trumpets again. In chapter 8, it talks about seven trumpets. Now, the number seven is always very significant in the Word of God. Seven is a number of completeness. And so when the last trump is sound, that means that the tribulation period will end as well. They do not see in 1 Thessalonians about the trumpet. It just makes mention of one trumpet. And we've already talked about what we believe that that trumpet is. It's a trumpet where he's saying, hey, let's gather up. We're fixing to go. And then the Bible says that we are caught up. But then it moves on. And we see that there's a lot of scholars and all of that. And the only reason why I'm throwing this in at the part of the sermon is because they would say, well, you know, the early church fathers didn't really talk about rapture and especially about pre-trib rapture. Well, they've got misinformed. They'll say that this thing really took off by the name of a man by the name of Nelson Darby. Nelson Darby was instrumental, but that's not where it started. You've got to go a little further back. It seems kind of funny to me that uh, they say that the early church uh, didn't make mention of that, but Paul talked quite a bit about it, and we've already seen that. We've got enough Scripture now to say that Paul believed in the rapture. And that's why he said it was a mystery. And that's the reason why he's revealing it to the church at this time because the question was raised. Hey, if we're that close at hand, what about those who have died? But then we see, go further back, you'll see those by the name of Barnabas. Uh, There was Justin Martyr. Uh, And then uh, 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 a fellow that I'm probably going to mispronounce his name, uh, Behipitus. All of those alluded to a rapture. But then Augustine comes onto the scene. Augustine uh, uh, gained a a following. And Augustine uh, had an approach to the Bible as non-literal. St. Augustine, remember the name? Well, he's the one that was instrumental in saying, well, you can't take the Bible for what it says. I'm just, I'm just telling you. He's, he's one of the, what has been known as the early church fathers. Augustine, very instrumental. But he had this uh, theory. Now, that, that started catching on. And, 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 and find it interesting here, the coordination between the two, is that Augustine, who said you cannot take the Bible literal, and because of that, 
what had been said about a rapture and especially about a pre-trib rapture started to fade away because it was not popular at the time because of the influence that Augustine had. That started to change around the Renaissance. But then as we move from the Renaissance, uh, and by the way, uh, Augustine was the one that really uh, uh, got uh, the uh, all-millennials view going. Okay? Now, that basically means they don't believe nothing. I'm just telling you. They they just say, we're going to go through it. Can't take that literal. But then the Renaissance came and then in the medieval times. Then we move into the Reformation era. They will say, and there are those like Calvin and also Knox who are Calvinistic in their theology. Do you see the coronation here? They're Calvinistic in their theology and they do not believe there's going to be a rapture and especially not a pre-trib rapture. Hmm. Find that kind of interesting. By the way, while we're on the subject, the modern church movement and many, not all, not all, but many of the contemporary movement that's going on now are Calvinistic in their theology and also do not believe in the rapture of the church. The only reason we need to know, you need to know this stuff. And so here, the Reformation movement. But there were some, even in the Reformation movement, that alluded to a pre-trib rapture. Joseph Mead was one of those. John Gill was another one of those. And Marcus Edwards. See, when they go ahead and they start pulling and saying, well, you know, you do understand that the the rapture, uh, especially the pre-trib rapture, uh, that it wasn't never taught. It's something fairly new. No, it's not. No, it's not. I alluded to this morning that there are some who said, well, where they got this going was because a dream a little Scottish girl had, and that's what really took things off. No, it's not. You've got to go further back than that. There was a Jesuit priest that alluded to a pre-trib rapture. They won't tell you that. Because they're taking it as this rapture thing's a myth. And what really got it going was because a little girl had a vision. No, they did. That's not when. Paul believed in the rapture. We see we've already had enough scripture to back up what we're saying. But, but then go on. Notice the word that we're, we're going to be caught up together. That word, uh, they say that you can't find the word rapture, and you're exactly right. But the word, that, that word caught up, or to be taken up, is a word that's been used all through Scripture. In Matthew chapter number 11, that same word is used when it describes of a kingdom being taken by force. 
That also uh, we see in John chapter 10 where we see where the wolf is described and that he will come and snatch the sheep away. Same word usage that we see here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But we also see Jesus used the word Himself where He says, If anyone's been put into my hand, no one can pluck or snatch you out of my hand. Same word usage. It's funny to me where they'll say, well, you can't find it, you can't find it. You're finding it all in the Bible. But we also see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, when Paul was caught up or taken up to the third heaven, same word usage. We also see that there's two other examples, Enoch and Elijah. The Bible says they were translated. What a wonderful picture of the rapture. Now, they say, well, uh, matter of fact, and I'm just going to go ahead and throw this is free of charge. That's why in the two witnesses that we find in Revelation that come, there are many who believe that those two witnesses could very well be Enoch and Elijah. Now, I'm going to take some spiritual liberties here. This is just Mike, okay? I I can't really prove. But if that's the case, is that not cool? Stay with me here. Enoch and Elijah, who were raptured up, come back as the two witnesses. (laughs) And I'm, I'm just... Could you say they're going and they're saying, Hey, if you'd have listened to what Paul said, you wouldn't be in the mess that you're in now. <laughs> now, how did you say, Can you prove that? No, but it does sound good, doesn't it? <laughs> Could that, would that not be? It's almost like the Lord is, is like, uh, you know, okay, I'm going to show y'all. I'm going to send the two that were raptured up uh, to witness to you during the times of tribulation. But what what I'm trying to get at, I'm saying is all through the Scripture, and we could have numerous messages on where we believe that the Word of God says very distinctly and very clearly that there will be a rapture and that it will be before the tribulation period begins. But then I thought about... 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and 52. Where does he say there? He says, in the twinkling of an eye. Do you know how quick that is? That's fast. Quicker than that. We're going to be snatched up. We're going to be called up. We're going to be taken up just like that. Just like that. Now notice the difference when Jesus comes back in Revelation. There's no taking up. Also notice, and we've already alluded to it this this morning, is that the rapture 
There's no warning sign. Well, we do have warning signs. What we just looked at here in 1 Thessalonians, for one in 1 Corinthians 15, it's talking about it. But when it comes to the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there's a series of events that will take place before He comes back. Very distinct. We're talking about two events here. Now, what does this all have to say to us here tonight? First and foremost, it says to us that we could go up at any time. We could be out of here. And if you're here tonight and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I'd get saved. I'm not here to scare you into something. I'm not here to manipulate you. I'm not here to play on your emotions. I'm just showing you clearly in the Word of God that says it could happen at any time. Go back to the question that we raised this morning. Are you ready? Are you ready? Now, those of you who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, let me ask you this question. If you knew for certain, if you knew for certain that we were going to go up before we end this service, and when it came to times of invitation, is there something in your life that you would be ashamed of if He'd called you right now? Thought about that? Folks, this is serious business. And say that He doesn't come back. This invitation, the church ought to come and start being broken off of the lostness of people round about us. The, the, the thoughts of Him coming back tonight is shouting ground, is it not? The, the thought that He's going to call us out of this mess, that's exciting. But it's also something horrible to think about because you have somebody at your work that won't go up. You have somebody in your family won't go up. Young people, you have somebody at your schools not going to go up. And so if nothing else, that should give us a sense of urgency that we need to get serious about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with a lost and dying world. Well, Brother Mike, I understand what you're talking about. I just don't quite believe all that. Okay, okay, I'll give you that. But it's going to be hard to argue this point. Do you realize that you could go just like that? We have alluded to, Brother Glenn can testify to the fact that we've had people in these services on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, that we did not see the next week because they died. I'm not here to scare you. I don't want to play on your emotions and get you all stirred up. What I am saying is, time's running out. Time's running out. One way or another, time is running out. So the question, are you ready? Are you ready? 
Are you ready to leave this old world? My dear friend, it could happen before we leave here tonight. Our invitation is for you, lost person. You know you're lost. You know that if you were to die tonight, you really don't know where you'll go. You could very well be that you know exactly where you're going to go. You can go ahead and get that settled here tonight by coming, repenting, and confessing your sins and by faith accepting the Lord Jesus as your Savior. You can get that taken care of tonight. Say, folk, if you knew that He was going to come before we dismiss here tonight, is there anything in your life that you said, you know what, I really don't want to meet Him with this sin in my life. You need to go ahead and get that taken care of tonight. Or could it be that you've gotten everything settled, but I'm asking you this, are you concerned about those that you're going to be meeting tomorrow? Are you concerned that if they were to die, or if we're going to get raptured out, that they're going to get left behind? Are you really broken? I mean, are you really broken over the lostness of those that you come in contact with on a daily basis?